Redskins Addicts, uh, welcome to the podcast, Volume 4. Uh, once again, it's your boy Rod. I got Steve, Sean, Ellie, and Phil on the line. What's up, fellas? Yo, what up? Yeah, yeah. What up? All right, so once again, try to try to jump into things immediately. No, uh, nothing uh, big dropping, but retiring Bobby Mitchell's uh, number so number 49, the Redskins announced uh, earlier this week that they're going to retire uh, Bobby Mitchell. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, Bobby Mitchell was the first African-American player uh, signed to Redskins organization. Um, he passed away early this year, April 5th, and it's the second number that the Redskins will officially retire next to Sammy Ball. Uh, the elephant in the room that we're all uh, – typically familiar with is Sean Taylor's number 21 um, being a point of contention and then John Riggins uh, number 44 the other two like unofficially retired numbers and you know I mean no one where has worn 28 or anything as well but those are numbers that I guess kind of jump out at you immediately so with that being said do you think this is uh, a change in the organization's direction do you guys foresee uh, some other retired numbers coming up in the near future what do you think, Sean? Sean. I personally, I, I absolutely – I don't want Sean Taylor's number retired. I like the fact that people respect him enough to not even use his fucking number even if it's not retired. I think that's an even bolder statement that you can take the number legally, but I have so much respect for this dude, I'm not even going to touch his number even if I can. I think that is the – ultimate respect that nobody even wants to touch that shit so so i don't i'm not with retiring sean taylor's number on that premise alone but i think the next guy we need to retire probably would be riggins but we also could get Dell green up out here too i don't think nobody should wear 28 what about you ellie so i, I think with football you have to be careful because there you know position groupings get assigned number ranges right so if you're going to put numbers up for good, they really better be players that warranted that, right? Because you're kind of limiting some of the number groupings that you can have. I, As far as Sean Taylor goes, Sean Taylor was great, but I think he's kind of in that, that rap conversation like Biggie and Tupac. I mean, his body of work was so short. It's hard to justify putting his uh, number up in the rafters um, other than for emotional you know, justification. I, I think from play on the field, he was on his way. He had he tried to be struck and he didn't make it there. And that's unfortunate, but I don't think you can just retire his number off that. Uh, Sean, I think there have been players that have tried to wear that number and then they got advised not to by current players or stuff like that. I think even Landon Collins or something was pursuing that, if I'm not mistaken. Had a change I think of heart. Swearinger or something tried too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not a huge retired to Jersey number guy. I think Dale Green played for us for a very long time. I think he's great, but I think, I mean, you know, we, we know what his legacy is. John Riggins, he had some good years, I think, what, maybe eight or so years with us. I, no, I, I think we got the right number of people retired. I mean, uh, we got – with Bobby Mitchell, I think he was such a difference maker and there's, there's so much history behind what he did. Um, but anybody else, I mean, I, we got to see a lot more uh, for me to feel comfortable throwing uh, jerseys up in the Raptors, so. Brother Phil, what say you? With Ellie on this one, you have to remember, Sean Taylor wore 21 for three years. And so he didn't have the same number all four years. And you're also talking about three to four years of, of a body of work. And, you know, it's the same way whenever I have conversations about greatest rapper alive, I have a hard time putting – I love Biggie, but I can't put him in my top four, put him on that Mount Rushmore – because he had two albums. So I had the same exact thought process on that. Um, 
on Sean Taylor. Love the guy. There's the unofficial retirement number. You know, players respecting the number. That's great. I think there's several players ahead of Sean Taylor that are deserving of having that number retired, having that jersey put up there for everyone to see just because of their body of work. There's a number before uh, you get to Sean Taylor. Are you talking about primetime Deion Sanders with the Redskins? <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, uh, maybe primetime champ Bailey before primetime Deion Sanders. Primetime needs to have his jersey retired from the NFL, man. He's the greatest defensive back ever lived, man. Y'all yep, him. Yep. They need to retire his jersey for the NFL. Damn. All right. I don't know about that. <laughs> man, you know how many people will be you know how many people will be mad they can't wear twenty one. That's like everybody's favorite number. Steve, what's your thoughts on the uh, retirement of numbers with the organization? Um, I think as much as they get criticism and flack, I I think it's right where it needs to be. It's it's really hard to, to just put, like, like, like Elise said, to put numbers up in the rafters because they're just not available. Uh, there's other ways you can honor members. A lot of these, a lot of these jerseys are, you know, the unspoken rule of you don't wear this jersey. 21 is one of those. You know, we thought seven was one for a while until Dwayne came along. Um, so it, it's right where it needs to be. Does Sean need his own jersey retired? Uh, I I don't know. Maybe. Um, but th- like I said, there's other ways you can do it. Um, you could you could name a ring uh, upper level after him. You could name a concourse after him. You could name. I mean, there's there's lots of ways to do it. But be- before we get off this topic, let's just take a second to to talk about Bobby Mitchell real quick about you know what he's done and and why. Why he is only the second player in Redskins history to have his number retired behind, um, you know, slinging Sammy Ball. So I don't know how much research you guys have or know about Bobby Mitchell, but honestly, I didn't. I didn't know a whole lot about him um, before before we started doing research for this segment. So check out how Redskins this is, right? You know, he was he was uh, clearly we were the last team to integrate in the NFL, 1962. Um, George Preston Marshall, you know, the guy surrounding all the recent drama. Um, we drafted someone named Ernie Davis in 1962, but this guy got George Marshall was, was uh, weary about how much salary he would demanded. So they traded his rights to the Browns and we got Bobby Mitchell and a, and a gentleman named Leroy Jackson, right? Check how Redskins this is. Leroy Jackson never played a snap for us. He was a first round pick in that same draft and he died of leukemia the next year. Like how Redskins is that? Just just think about it. Isn't that crazy? Um, and then after he retired in 68, um, Vince Lombardi was the one who, who, who recommended that Bobby Mitchell stay on. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. And then eventually, you know, he wanted to be a GM, but in 1978, our owner at the time, uh, Edward Williams, who, I didn't even know existed, um, uh, passed him over for, for Bobby Bathard. I mean, it, granted, Bobby Bathard did a great job, you know, but that was one time that, you know, Bobby Mitchell didn't get his first look. And then Jet Cat Cook passed him over again in 2003 for Charlie Casterly, who also, excuse me, who also did a, a, a very good job, not in 2003, passed him over for Charlie Casterly uh, for the next GM model. And then um, Steve Spurrier issued Bobby Mitchell's number out to a dude who never even he played like one snap the whole season. Leonard Stevens, a tight end. So I think he, he felt hurt by the organization, even though he was an executive for, for 41 years with the Redskins. Um, you know, it, if that's what it takes to retire a number, yes, his number should be retired. And I, I, I don't think if you're going to put Sean Taylor in that line, that up next to Sean Taylor, I, I don't think you can. And that's just my personal take. I'm sorry. It took that long, but that's just where I stand. <laughs> No, all good. I'm I'm not big on the whole retirement thing. Um, I just I wish the organization, if anything, just to close out this segment, I just wish the organization would come out with some sort of official language explaining their position. Just because I'm I'm sick and tired of every time we get a good player who may have worn that number, whether it's Sean Taylor's twenty one or forty four, whatever, in that team or in college, they get to the organization and because it's kind of the gray mark. Like we don't know if we're retiring numbers or not, and I agree with Le. There's only there's only so many numbers to have per position group. Just say that. Just say, hey, this is our official stance. It doesn't diminish from what those players did while they were Redskins, but 
either we're going to be an organization that does or does not retire numbers moving forward. And just leave it that. But here's the thing: I would, I want to know. I want to be a fly on the wall. Was Bobby Mitchell's numbers going to be retired, regardless of where we stand and 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 recent in lieu of recent events? That's what I want to know. Was it scheduled to be retired, or was it because he passed away in April? Like that's what I want to know. It's it's. I know we'll probably never know the real answer, but. It, it would be nice to know that for sure. And, and Steve, real quick, I think it also had not just him passing away, but also the social climate right now, right? Yeah. Where you see yep. a lot of organizations extending olive branches. I think that's a part of what it was. If, and Rod, to your point, if we're going to be an organization that retires numbers, do it while these people are alive. alive. So they yes. Can be a part of that. Yep. I mean, come on, have some decency, Redskins. I'm with you. All right. Like you hit it on, I'm going to do whatever it takes right now in today's climate to do everything right, make all the right moves. But this was this was worthy regardless. You know, yeah. uh, Bobby Mitchell's a, a legend. He's a pioneer. Um, you know, he laid down a foundation for a lot of players that are there now and made it possible. So I think it's long overdue. All right. Now, yeah. now to segue off of that, man, talking about the organization doing the right thing in light of recent events. So this is hot off the press, um, just dropped maybe an hour or two ago. But the National Congress of American Indians just called for the Redskins players to boycott the entire season to force the name change. Um, This is the National Congress of American Indians, founded in 1944, um, to represent the tribes and resist federal government pressure for termination of their tribal rights and assimilation of their people. So in essence, this ain't the Oneida tribe or the Oneida nation from a couple of years ago uh, calling for the Redskins uh, to change their name. This this organization has been around 75 years. They might actually have a little bit more oomph and pressure. Now, previous times, the Redskins can kind of brush this under the rug, any sort of political outside pressure to change their name. I think the optics are a hell of a lot different this year. Um, and I think we talked about a name change a podcast or two ago, and it, it I don't want to say it's it's beating a dead horse, um, but it is something that I want the organization to truly address. Um, we know that Dan Snyder said, "Hey, I'm not. I'll never change the name as long as I own the team." But I don't know if that's the right move anymore. And at the at the end of the day, I'm still going to be a fan of the Washington Redskins or the Washington whatever they may be. Um, so I open uh open it up for discussion, fellas. Who wants to jump in? I'll jump in. This goes back to when we discussed on the first podcast, my position was that if they go ahead with the name change, they need to sit down with members of various tribes and try to figure out a way. If Dan Snyder's smart, this is an opportunity to say, okay, you want the name change. You obviously represent more than what than the, the, the United Indians Um the word refer they they're kind of always been kind of looked at as a fringe group because they file these lawsuits all over the country and they really look to settle most of the time. This organization is much broader, much more represent representative. Now let's be real, this announcement comes because of the current climate of things. I think that Dan Snyder's take this opportunity to say, okay, I'm gonna fly Whoever you want to send in as representative to Washington, we'll sit down and we're going to discuss a name change. We'd like to keep the you know the the Native American heritage with the mascot, so you know that, that we can continue you know try to do this in a, in a way that you feel is more honorable. Take that opportunity. You're going to build a lot of goodwill. You're going to keep in line with the previous name. And I, I think that something that would create a very positive public image. Dan Snyder is bringing people to the table who feel that this name is offensive. I'll take it. Steve, what you got, bro? Um, so like Phil said, like this, it's happened in the past, right? But this, this year is a little bit different. Like Dan can't send Bruce out to be the front man and, and just, all this and, and in the past we've been kept in the dark like we don't know these things are going on we don't this is a point now where this has to be addressed and it has to be addressed 
publicly for public perception. Um, this isn't just something that you you just hope it dies down because, like you said, this is a heavy hitting organization. You know, seventy five years in the making. They're going to make a point, and they have, you know, like I said, they have the the strike while the iron's hot. You know, with the today today's social climate where we are right now, so for them, it's advantageous for them to push this, right? Um, for those who hate the name change, yeah, this is going to suck, but um, it can't be brushed off. It's not going to die down. It has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed. And like Phil said, in some public forum, where they bring, it doesn't matter how you do it. It has to be addressed, and it has to be. Dan, I'm sure he'll probably just throw Ron out in front of it. I'm sure he will or Doug Williams, but it has to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. Now, I will say, I don't think – I am shocked that they removed the, the George Preston Marshall statue. I'm shocked that they removed him from the renaming the lower bowl from his name. I'm shocked that they removed him from all the official Redskins you know, uh, correspondence. So I will say they must be open-minded and they must be willing to take steps – in the right direction, which we've seen, will they change the name? I, you know, I'm going to say probably not, but that, that's why uh, it's very interesting though, that they have been making those changes. To exactly. The past, we, we never you know? thought they would. Yeah, they're exactly. Making those, they're making those changes so that they'll have people more lenient on them, not changing their name. Look, that, that, that's what it is. That where they're pacifying people to say, Hey, look, man, they're not really racist. They did this, you know, that's that's pretty much what they're hoping people say, but I, I think it's all politics for him. He wants to also move that team back to D.C., man, and he's got to, you know, that mayor has, like, changed the name. So he, he's got to do something here. It, I think they eventually change it. Why not? So since you guys brought this up, I kind of thought about this a lot, and I really dislike – the call for the players to boycott because number one, most of the players are African-American and I think you're putting them in a bad position to have to choose when they're already standing up for a movement more directly relating to them. And and again, racism is racism and it affects everybody. I'm not saying that, but a lot of pressure on Haskins. It's a lot of pressure on everybody on that team. And when you're talking boycotts, there's a huge difference between the George Floyd stuff and police brutality in the name of a football team, right? Because this is more parallel with the Aunt Jemima conversation, right? And if the if Aunt Jemima never changed its name, the, the movement that's going on in the country right now would still be going just fine, right? It's a, There's a whole different category for this and the call for a boycott over that by players on the game and put them in that position when all the stuff is going on in the world right now, I don't like it personally. Now, well, directly relative to this point, I don't think this does anything different for the team to change its name. I mean, if you, this is something that's on the radar in the DC metro area, and I think that's it. And there are a few people who are calling out for it outside of that market, but this is a local market thing, in my opinion. And I don't think this really puts a lot of pressure on a global game like the NFL, um, nor do I think that the Redskins are really considering changing the team name over this or any other recent protest, um, you know, on that scale. I, it would really take something extremely large um, directly relating to Native Americans um, for something like this to happen. Now, you know, there's some things going on in the country with pipelines and stuff like that that might deplete or has the potential to deplete certain populations. And then maybe at that point, that's a conversation. I don't think what's going on right now is really a justification in the organization's mind to drive change on this. And, you know, they've had groups protest before. They've had groups petition before. Um, and, and so if, it, if they didn't do it to build a stadium, I don't think they're going to do it to appease the groups that are, are calling for them to change it right now. No, it's, it's – go ahead, Steve. I mean, how did you even know it was me? I just took a, I, I just took I, a I breath. Know, I know your breath, man. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron to say change it. No, but look, so I, I never would have thought Roger Goodell would have supported the way he has, right? And all the coaches and players. Have you heard? This is why I think that there's going to be – there will be pressure to counter what you said, Ellie, on the Redskins to, to face oh, this. Man. Not change it, but to face it. Different. Um, different. I mean, but Roger Goodell, he came out. He's like, you know, we have a problem. We we know there ha- we we know we have a problem. We know we mishandled the way 
We mishandled the way we faced the Colin Kaepernick situation. You have coaches coming out saying, I will kneel with my players. Steve, like we're Steve, we're in a different do, world right do you, now. Do you believe that Roger Goodell believes that? Or do you think he's doing that to perception? Perception. I, it's it's perception. It is. It is. It is. But, it is. but that's why I think it's, it, I'm not saying that's why I'm saying it's not to change the name, but just to face it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's address it, bring them in, like Phil said. I don't think it's just gonna be go they're just gonna be able to brush it under the table and just let this thing, you know, it'll it'll just die over like everything else. It's, like it's, I think they're gonna get pressure to at least address it. That's all I'm saying. I don't yeah, think so. I don't think so at all. It's, that perception though, as well, like so Ellie, you said it was more of a local thing, but I think the perception that the league is facing is a worldwide thing. So this this George Floyd thing is it's not just a a Minneapolis issue. You know, it's not just a Minnesota issue, not just a United States issue. Like it, it has taken a worldwide I kind of I guess view or, or bring a call to action or attention rather to the, the racial injustice. And if if the name Redskins is lumped into that narrative as well, I don't know if it can just be viewed as, hey, this is just a local thing. So, I mean, we'll see. It obviously, and, and, and let me also let me, remind you all: this thing became right. a national thing when Bob Costas and his little mealy mouth went on Sunday Night Football <laughs> and just railed for ten minutes about how awful our name is, yes, and and, and, and all this. And, and you and think that's not it. going to happen the no, first time we all. show up on a nationally televised game? Don't matter. It, it's it's small potatoes. I mean, like you said, he got on TV for ten minutes, but what happened? Nothing. A few weeks later, everybody's calling us the Redskins again, and we're playing football. I, your point, I Rod, about this year being, over that. but it, but we got over it, right? And 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 this gets overshadowed very quickly. He's a tool. <laughs> this gets overshadowed very quickly by bigger events. And and your point about George Floyd. And Roger Goodell and all that stuff, it's, it's relevant because the NFL is 90% African-American. If the NFL had a larger Native American population, now we got a conversation, right? The NFL is trying to stay ahead of something where their fan base and their athletes are a particular uh, race. And so they don't have a choice. They have a choice because in this situation with the name change, because how many Native American players are in the NFL? Who do they have to cater to? How much of the market of who watches NFL are Native, Native American, right? Follow the money. That's what I always say. Follow the money. How much money that the NFL generates is based on Native, Native American dollars, right? So what pressure is there really? The only pressure that is real in business is financial pressure. How much financial pressure can Native Americans generate on the NFL? Right? Not nearly as much as a bunch of woke white people. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, and I, white people. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, like, yeah, uh, nobody goes to football games with white people, man. So that might be the part of the reason why they don't really have to change the name. Networks would networks would have to be mad. You would have to compromise. This is what I'm saying. Oh no 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 no! no. You gotta understand. You also gotta realize where where the Redskins draw their their money from is. Are areas where, let's face it, Northern Virginia and 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 you know DC Metro Maryland are have a very very heavy lean in a certain direction, and right now they're trying to be very 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 cautious about their positions on things like this. They're going to push. They're going to push for name change. Most of the people who I've heard over the years push for a name change were Fairfax suburbanites, white people, the ones who are going to these games too. But they're also calling it saying, eh, yeah, the name's probably racist. They're still going. But they're if they feel going. pressure, if they feel now they're going to be feeling more pressure because it's coming from multiple directions. And I think that they're going to support this with a little more oomph than they did before. When I say, right. say for a name change. It won't change, and and Sean, you said it. It will never change until the TV market or the TV uh, companies, right, uh, start to yeah. say we're not going to broadcast your games until this name is changed. 
Period. All right. Number one, Fox, Fox don't give a shit if you call them racist. Yeah. You already know that, so you can count them out. You know what time Yeah, but, but Fox Sports <laughs> has nothing to do with Fox News. Let's just make that let's make that clear. Well, they do. They're owned by the same organization, but the, at the top, at the end of the day, that's the person that matters. And until TV says, I'm not going to negotiate a new deal with the NFL until the Redskins change their name, it's not happening. And I Look, thought there would have been a bigger impact. So I thought we were the third highest grossing team in the NFL. I really did. For the longest time, we were behind the Cowboys and Patriots. A Forbes, according to September of 2019, so fiscal year 20, we are ranked number seven. We have fallen. I mean, Cowboys, $5.5 billion. Number two, the Patriots at $4.1. Number three, the New York Giants at $3.9 billion. Number four, the Rams at three point eight. How we get passed by the Rams? I mean, I know how we got passed by the Rams. But number five, the San Francisco 49ers at three point five, And the Bears at $3.45 million at number six. And we're sitting at seven at a value of $3.4 billion. So I, I guess I can see where maybe it's, it might not be as sensitive, but I really thought we were number three. And if your third highest grossing franchise in the NFL is going through this, it might make a bigger statement. But seven out of 32, it's not as high as I thought it was. It, 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 that stuff can change so quick. It's like, you know, I think some of us on this podcast talk about investing in stocks. A, corpor- a corporation's value is based on the number of shares it has. But if somebody, if you sell you know, a million shares at a certain price, your your company valuation goes up by that much overnight, right? It, this can change in a heartbeat. We just had a lack of star players over the last decade or so. Um, the games haven't been very interesting. The people aren't going. Once this train gets rolling, the Redskins value is going to go right back up to where it was. I don't really have any concerns there. All right. So moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Redskins lack of national coverage and praise. I think it may dovetail of, off of what we're already talking about. Um, you guys think that's tied to the name and folks trying to distance themselves from the Redskins? Is it purely and wholly tied to lack of putting forth a competitive franchise the past uh, two decades, I guess? So Redskins, since 2000, it's like a year old, the data that I pulled earlier, and I unfortunately closed the tab, but – I think we were like the fifth most winning less franchise, I guess, um, from fucking the bottom. So like 27th um, in the past 20 years. So we're not really competitive like we were in our youth. Um, so what's, we're the richest what is horrible team that? in the NFL? What's that? We're the richest horrible team in the NFL. Yeah. So I mean, what's 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 driving the lack of coverage and praise? Is it the name? Is it just the competition that we're not really putting on the field, or a product we're not putting on the field? What do you guys think? It, it's it's the lack of star players that we've had. So if you go back to uh, 2012, how many national games did we play on TV that year when we had our G3? It felt like we played at least three or four that year, and we were the topic of every Sports Center rundown that there was. It was Redskins this, RG3 did this, you know, Redskins beat the Cowboys. We haven't had players that the NFL cares about or that NFL fans really care about beyond our own market, right? And then, as I said on the other podcast, we don't have players with fantasy value. Those two things are the biggest reason we don't get national TV games. Um, and not to mention, we're, you know, it's easy to make fun of our team, but I think that's it. I'm going to be quiet on this one since I talked so much on the last one. <laughs> I got I got a lot to say about this one. Um, this this isn't a new thing. This I remember watching when I first got cable access. So we're talking mid nineties. We're in the rebuilding era of North Turner, where we had some teams that were competitive. You know, 90, 96, 97, We had winning teams, but they weren't. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were competitive. And one thing I always hated, I'd be watching you know, that NFL primetime, oh, Chris Berman's doing the highlights, and it's a game that I watched that day, and I noticed that every single highlight is of the other team, and it's, oh, Redskins won. It's like, what? what are you talking about? So I thought it was crazy, too. I thought maybe that was like my youth. Um my, my, my homerdom and my youth was clouding my judgment. 
So I went back and watched some of those clips because you can find almost every NFL primetime on YouTube if you know where to look. And I'm watching, and there it is. It's the you know, Redskins-Eagles, and it's four or five Eagles highlights, one Redskins play, and the Redskins won the game. I think that a lot of it is is that even when we've been good, we're not – except for when we had, except for RG3's rookie year, we've never been the sexy team. Uh-huh. We've never been attractive. You know, we play we, – we never – we haven't played in a stadium that was brand sparkling new. You know, even, you know, FedEx Field, that came around while we were still kind of in a building phase. Um, you know, the, the, the we play in D.C. weather, which is horrific that, you know, that time of year for football. It's always, you know, muddy and rainy and just dreary. So it doesn't make for a good optical presentation either. You know, and we've never had a team, you know, outside of that, you know, RG3 rookie year where we were running that, you know, the read option. We never had anything that's been revolutionary or new or exciting, even if we were winning games. It was not anything that just blew people away and you had to see it because this is something new and exciting and, and, and all that. So some of it goes to star players, but some of it just goes to the fact that even when we had good teams, we just never had that, that sex appeal to the audience. And the same thing was in the eighties. We were just, we were the dynasty in the NFL other than the 49ers, but everyone talks about the 49ers first. We went to as many Super Bowls as they did, you know, during the Gibbs uh, era, but everybody talks about the 49ers first because they were the sexy team, the West Coast offense. We were the hog. People always want to watch the West Coast offense over Hogs. So I think there's just we've never had that 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 appeal. Let me say one more thing too, because I, I completely I think you hit it all on the head. And as you start talking about that primetime stuff, I start, I remember as a kid thinking the same thing. Like, Dad, why are we not in this little rundown that they're doing? But one more thing, um, you know. People, when they watch sports, they want to root for somebody because they love them or they want to root against them because they hate them. We haven't had love-hate players on our roster in forever, right? Like players that the fans either love or root against. We just kind of had guys, right? Um, and I, I, I think that's a factor, too. Darius guys? <laughs> just me, man. Just me. You know. <laughs> I mean, so – it winning cures everything, right? We we know that phrase. It, it it's true. We've been so bad for so long. We don't deserve primetime games. If you think about it, outside of 2012 and the 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 eight and eight Kirk Cousins run, like we don't deserve. We have not deserved any sort of primetime love. We like like uh, you guys said, we haven't had you know crazy draft picks, crazy free agent acquisitions that, oh, yeah, we got to see this guy play against this guy, this guy. <clears throat> I mean, the Josh Norman, Odo Beckham thing, yeah, it's kind of small potatoes, but we don't have it. Um, and, and and this year, <laughs> we have all 1 o'clock games minus, you know, we have two 425 games, a 405 game on the 20th, and we have a 425 game on the 13th of December. The, we have one primetime game this year, and it's it's the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and you know what? I'm thankful for that. Um, but until then, no complaints. Like, we don't deserve it, so I'm not up in arms about it, at least for primetime this year. Um, like I said, you need either, you need either the players – or you need you need to be winning one of those those two and and we really haven't had either so it is what it is yeah I'm good with it no worries from me all right we're gonna close this out gentlemen um, speaking about Adam Rank's most recent uh, article he he's uh, one of NFL.com's fantasy football analysts. Uh, last year, he put out a prediction that the Redskins would go 2-14, and 14, and he received quite a ton of flack for that. I know I was pissed. I thought we were going to go 12-4 and four like always. Um, anyways, his article talks about, you know, how we got here, pretty much how the Redskins got to the 2020 season. Adrian Peterson's still awesome. Terry McLaurin is a budding star. Um, he kind of 
predicts that the MVPs this year will be uh, the head coach coming in. Uh, thinks Ron Rivera is a winner. He's a good disciplinarian. Um, he kind of throws in a sideways joke or jab at Dwayne Haskins saying, hey, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Oh, oops, got ahead. I'm talking about uh, next year's state of Redskins. But he actually does you know, rein that in and say, hey, I think Haskins is going to be the guy. Uh, he has to be the guy really in the article um, if he's going to be the franchise quarterback that we need him to be. Uh, talks about Chase Young a little bit, but he says that we'll end up perhaps 6-10. and 10. He goes back and pulls Ron Rivera's first season with the Panthers, um, saying that we have a chance to do that. And I think that was my prediction. I think a couple of us gave a 6-10 and 10 prediction for the Redskins this year. He says we could go as high as 8 um, but do you guys agree, disagree with Adam Rank's state of the franchise for the Washington Redskins in 2020? Sean, let's hear from you first this time. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that we'll, the potential to be eight and eight is good. That's about all I'll, I would, if we win eight and eight, I would be happy. I would be like, man, I didn't expect this. So, I don't no, know. no tanking for Trevor. You're all in and winning. No, nah, I don't think we tank for Trevor. Um, I think we'll we'll have a good pick on our own. <laughs> I don't think we have to tank for him. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I kind of agree at the at at the ceiling. I think we we could be eight and eight, but I think we're probably a five win team. Um, if we don't have any injuries, eight and eight's realistic to me. But when's that happened? <sighs> yeah, injuries. The Achilles heel, the Redskins, literally the past couple of seasons. What you think, uh, Steve? Um, pretty decent article. Um, I do appreciate he put Dwayne Haskins as the is the uh, MVP for the team this year. Uh, I would be over the moon if he actually was I, I we're hurting so bad we we just want a winner i don't care if we go in 16 i mean i do care but if Dwayne haskins plays like we think he can play and just leads the team i mean that would reassure me so bad that i would be willing to sacrifice this year for years to come of stability at the quarterback position so um I appreciate he he did say he thinks Dwayne haskins could will be the mvp of the team for 2020 um I didn't appreciate it. He said uh, under the category, probably not a new face to know Antonio Brown. Uh, we talked about this. Was it last week or the uh, two, pod two weeks ago? But uh, none of us think that Antonio Brown is going to sign on this team based on what Ron Rivera said. And, 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 and if you bring a veteran in, you're, you're basically stunting a, uh, a, a young guy's growth. So uh, as, outside of that, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good article. Yeah, Josh Gordon. Yeah, we talked about him too. Um, I think we most of us were all against him. I, I think Sean, you might have been for signing one of those dudes, but um, he did bring up a good question about finding a running back. Um, it, it, it's a big question. It's a big question mark. We talked about this before. Who's our running back? Uh, Darius Geis. Is it going to be? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Antonio Gibson, like who's going to be our featured running back. And honestly, it, it's hard to tell. So his, his article brings up some very valid points and uh, particularly the funding, the running back. We really need to find a running back. I know AP's on his final years, although he came out this week, I think he said he wanted to play four more years. If I'm not mistaken, he, he dropped that nugget somewhere. Um, yep. But yeah, got to find a running back. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was incredible when he talked about in that article that when Haskins came in last year that we averaged nine more points per game if I'm in the field. Like to me, that's that's pretty damn huge. I mean, like you said, if, if he does end up playing to that level that we want him to play at, um, that was a, just a, a, a key takeaway for me reading that article as well. Like I didn't realize that we – it didn't look like it at all times, but to hear that, hey, the offense was a, a little bit more potent, if not a lot more potent with a rookie on the field with all the, the uh, franchise turmoil that he was dealing with, I think that's huge to, to move forward with. <clears throat> what about you, Ellie? 
Well, uh, real quick on the nine more points again, you remember we had a five-game stretch where we didn't score a touchdown. I think most of that was under Keenum and Colt McCoy. Don't remind us. Don't remind us. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't put a lot of stock into what Adam Rank does. Um, I think, you know, he's a fantasy football guy, so he's kind of on the level of Matthew Berry, who is a Redskins fan. I think he looks at things from from the prism of fantasy football, and that's why last year we didn't have a lot of fantasy talents. Like, okay, this team's going to be bad. I I like what he says, and I appreciate anything encouraging about the Redskins team. Um, it doesn't sway my feeling or opinion about him whatsoever, uh, based on what he says, though. So, and I do think we have a running back and a starter. I think it's pretty clear. I think it's Adrian Peterson. But you know, isn't that sad, though, dude? No. Why is it sad? Why is it sad that Adrian Peterson's our running back? I mean, the guy the guy is an otherworldly athlete. Right. And he got close to a thousand yards last year in an NFL win. How many guys got to a thousand yards last year? Five, six. No, I mean, like, you know that, that's saying? huge for sure. But I mean, I look at it when you look at the Bucks. I mean, I, I get this is a Redskins podcast and whatever that we're talking about the skins. But like, if I'm a Bucks fan, like, yeah, I'm fucking excited. I got Tom Brady and Gronkowski like for like a year or two. But and I get it. They say that running backs are dime a dozen and they come and they go. But it would feel great to have some youth to kind of grow with and like we don't beyond Adrian Peterson being the workhorse and the, the future hall of famer that he is. I don't necessarily look at that running back group with a lot of confidence. And it's, it's very, for me, it's, it's concerning that we're relying on the 34 year old running back to carry the load. You know, just to me, it's, yeah, it's great. He's AD awesome. But beyond that, it's kind of like, well, what the fuck are we doing? If AP is we the do, MVP we... of the team, then we're going to win three games, bro. That's the bottom line. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, uh, dead if, if if we're going to eight and eight, Haskins had, we have to know that Haskins is the franchise quarterback going forward. In order for us to be eight and eight, I'm like a... this guy says, we will have to know that, or somebody else is going to be the quarterback and, and, and be a shocking find. Alex Smith miraculously comes back, or the other guy, the, the new guy we got there backing him up is taking his job and being and becoming the guy. Somebody we're gonna know who the we, quarterback is this year if we're eight and eight. If we're if three and whatever, can, AP's MVP. Two things can be true at the same time. So number one, Sean, look at our defense. Our defense has a position the potential to put us ahead. Right, so we might run the ball more because our defense is going, should be effective at rushing the passer. So you think we can be we can be field. three and thirteen and Haskins be the team MVP? I don't think we'll be three and thirteen though. I, I mean, that's your opinion on the record, not mine. I, you know, I think Adrian Peterson can be a team MVP and us not be three and thirteen. You know what I'm saying? Because I think if we're playing with the lead, you know, in a lot of games, we're not going to put it on Haskins to just keep throwing no matter what we do. We're gonna we're gonna be a relatively if we get ahead uh, based on our defense and our running game is, is cooking, they're going to stick with it. We're going to keep going. We can still see Haskins progress when we need to. I just don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Real quick, Rod, to your point, I, I think we do have a future at running back, and I think it's Adrian uh, – what's his name? Gibson, Gibson, right? Antonio Gibson? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson, right? The, I keep saying this. The comp that he had coming out of college was Joe Mixon, Right. And I know he didn't get a lot of snaps in college, but I think that's why this is a perfect situation. Let AP do AP for a year or two while Gibson learns more of the craft of running back and then transition him to a running back full time a year or two from now. Right. And, and let's let's keep it going. So I think the future's there and we got a guy that can get us there right now. But that's what I feel about. That's Dice is up right. He ain't giving up no carries to that good. Man, we. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he ain't giving up no carries for that dude, man. <laughs> I mean, give him some catches, maybe. I gotta find the article linking Gibson to Mixon. If so, then I'm fucking overly excited. I mean, then yeah, sure, walk the guy into the position, and, and you don't don't rush that just for longevity. But um, yeah, I, I hadn't heard that comparison at all. But that would be a fucking blessing. I'll send it to you after the podcast. Okay. Go ahead, Phil. Well, let's let's also remember that um, when Rick Meyer came out of college, his comp was Joe Montana. Now, <laughs> <laughs> thanks now, for humbling us all, Phil. Please continue. <laughs> right, Seahorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
see that, that that's where I get transitioned in, transition into my uh, my guys my my guys jock in here. Um, I I like the article. It actually kind of rides a lot of what I've, I'm anticipating. Um, I I see us as you know a seven win team next year. I said six last time we did the predictions. I'm saying seven now. My optimism is growing. Um, but a lot of what he says is hitting nail on the head, and the fact that Haskins has to, you know, Haskins, if he builds as he did through the the, the season, I mean, even we saw his growing pains, but every game, even the games where he didn't put up great stats, you saw the improvement, you saw the vision, you saw it was it was coming together piece by piece by piece. And then when it came together, suddenly you just saw him really taking these leaps and bounds in terms of his growth. And I see a lot of the same with Haskins uh, going into the offseason. It's just he's working on his body. All of these videos of him out there working out. And look who he's working with. He's working with his guys. He's Yeah, he was out there with Ocho Cinco and, and, and so forth. But um, – and, and, and Terry McLaurin was out there working with him, but there's a lot of workout videos with him with his guys, Sims, McLaurin, Geis. They're all working together. And you can't put a value on how much that's going to help just in terms of everybody kind of knowing each other and knowing where your guy's going to be on the same page, knowing his little ins and outs, you know, when Haskins releases the ball, you've got X, you know, number of milliseconds to, you know, the gauge where the pass is going. You know how he's going to put an arc on it. All those little things that you, it just takes time and repetition. You're seeing that coming together. And I think that's going to lead to his development. It's going to lead to the further development of McLaurin, of of Stephen Sims Jr. and I think that being around that is going to help Darius Geis, especially in his offense where he's going to be asked, you know, if he's in there to be a receiving threat. And I think that's going to help him take that next leap too. Um, and I'm the guy who's been thinking that we're going to see a lot of balls spread around the offense in, in the backfield. Um, I see Geis probably getting about eh, 150 carries. And I'm going to say it right now. If he gets 150 carries – He'll have over 750 yards, which means he will average over five yards a carry. I'm calling it now. Damn, I'm clutching my and pearls. If he, can do, if he can do that with the and an AP can give you similar production as he's given you, our run our run offense is going to allow Haskins to have that time in the play action and be able to catch defenses off guard when they go to throw the ball. I will say this. If Geis gets to 700 yards and averages five yards a carry, I will buy a Geis jersey <laughs> and wear it for a week straight. Hey, Mark, it will not write it down. <laughs> hey, this is it's permanence. This is Hold in on. the pod. Hold on. I'm typing it. Can you hear me? Geis is getting a thousand this year, man. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. A thousand? It's not happening. He's getting a thousand, man. Look, well, I think they're going to give. I think, they, I think he's getting out of the. I think he's getting out of the carries, man. I think he's going to get the carries. I think Adrian's going to be more so his backup, even if Adrian starts. I think Geist gets most of the carries, especially if we're um, running the game out because they want to give the younger guy the carries. I think. Wow. I think he gets. I think he. The only thing that I think derails Geist is injury or or Bryce Love. Someone but must I, be in your house, dog. Like you are saying that under duress. I'm calling the I'm cops. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you right now, man. Dunbar's not here with a gun on me. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now that that I'm telling you, guys is gonna get the carries, man. Guys is gonna be the workhorse. It's hold on though. Go anymore, which you know it, it might be likely. Guys from Lava to run for 280 yards his first game, and then 281st yard break his leg in three spots. <laughs> you know, hope I didn't jinx you, bro. But I think that's that's liable to happen. But if that don't happen, guys play 16 games this year. Guys gets a grand, man. Can we can we please acknowledge that besides three games, 
Dice is averaging like 1.8, 2.2 yards a carry besides three games in his career. Can, Can we also please we... acknowledge that that was under a, a mismatched run offense that was not matched with our passing game and made it real easy to tell when we we're going to run the ball? Peterson was having the same struggles. No, he was not. You know how many I, games, you want to go back and see how many games Peterson had like 15 carries for 40 yards? Well, but to be fair, I mean, Peterson is a volume running back, they, they right? So are. the more you feed him, the better he is. How do you know? When is when has Geist been able to handle the volume? What's the most Carolina, the right? Ten? Carolina. Ten? It was 10, right? Let's say we both give the ball, that. give Geist the ball 15 times in the game and, you know, AP sprinkles in three to five. I mean, <laughs> Gibson's going to touch the ball four or five times, hopefully. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to put my stock in somebody who's never touched the football ever but in NFL. But if Gib- I don't even think Gibson runs the ball, man. I think he might. Like, you might count a screen for him as a run. I don't know. But I don't, I don't think he's going to run the ball, at least not this year. He is not a dynamic wide receiver. He, his route running is so elementary. I'm telling you. When you get screened or get it to him on a wheel, though, be a problem. I mean, but, uh, Thompson murdered people on the wheel routes, man. Imagine that guy in a in a in a tight end or a big running back's body. Thompson had misdemeanors on wheel routes. Okay, I, Chris Thompson never murdered anybody on anything. Hey, he, he had some decent plays. Was, I, I don't know, know if I'm going. That one, that one year, that dude was like a legend. That one year, and he broke his leg or did something. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was like they were talking about that guy going to the Pro Bowl. I think he led the league in yards or something like for a little stretch. And then he just through week what, like week three? It was like week eight. I mean, or something. He brought. I forget when he yeah. broke his leg or whatever he did. I was like, oh man. It was like week, it was like week six. It was week six or something like that, I think. But he was the man. Flashback. I love y'all, man. Y'all, y'all make me, y'all make me laugh every week, man. But uh, I think it's time we wrap it up, man. Episode four is in the books. Appreciate your time and attention again, fellas, man. And uh, let's definitely link up and do this again. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Peace. Oh, Preston Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>